This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. ABF Creative. The following podcast contains emotional and graphic descriptions of death by gun violence and is not intended for children to listen to without parental consent. Malcolm Backley, 19, was shot and killed Memorial Day weekend on Taylor Street in Orange. Investigators believe he was an innocent bystander during the shooting in which another man was wounded. Backley was killed shortly after coming home from his freshman year at Dean College in Massachusetts, where he was a wide receiver for the school's Division II team. He graduated in 2011 from the city's high school, where he was captain of the football team. My name is Sharon Bagley, and I'm from Orange, New Jersey. Malcolm liked sports. One of his main sports was football, and he also played basketball. But I discovered Malcolm had talent in the fifth grade. Malcolm started with the Town Recreation Center, which was flag football. Then he went on to play the regular uh, recreation football. For the fifth, sixth grade, Malcolm traveled to Oakland, California. He played flag football. And it was just the really the Pop Warner teams that he played for until he went to high school. I didn't even know that my son was so talented in playing. His position was a wide receiver, and he was always the one who they threw the ball to to score that touchdown. Malcolm was quiet. He had a lot of friends. Malcolm had a great personality. He hung out with his friends like, you know, this is something that he looked forward to when he came home from school. He had this main block that he hung on, which was Taylor Street in Orange. And pretty much all the friends that he were with hung on this block at this one lady's house who had a basketball net in the backyard. And I mean, kids would migrate there all day, every day. His friends looked forward to seeing him. He looked forward to seeing them. And his love was just playing ball. When Malcolm was happy, you know, there was a lot of excitement. 
She enjoyed family. He loved his family. He had an older brother. He wasn't interested in girls at that time or anything like that, but it was just all about the boys that he hung out with. His happiness was, you know, coming home, did his homework. He left out. He went and played with his friends, came back when it was time. Where he hung out on Taylor Street, he's seen a lot of friends killed by gun violence. He's lost a lot of friends, you know, on that particular street, which is the same street that he was killed on. This was a goal of his. He wanted to go to college. He wanted to pursue that football career, which, you know, he loved the game. I felt really good about it. I never went to college myself, and for him to make a decision and want to go, you know, it was very overwhelming, but it, it was a great feeling. But when he was in college, I can remember I was at work, and he called me. He was like, Mommy, I want to come home. These people don't know where I'm from. I don't feel good about this. I think we were on the phone maybe about a good hour. He was crying, I was crying. And I was like, well, Malcolm, you're there on a football scholarship. You have to understand that the coaches are there to help you. They have counselors to help a kid who, who has become homesick. You have to take advantage of that, Malcolm, because you went there for a reason. And oh my goodness, he just cried and I cried, but pretty much he listened to what I said and he finally went and spoke to his coaches. When he got settled into his dorm room, the person that stayed with him in his dorm room, you know, he didn't know him well, but he just met him. They became friends because all of them in that same dorm center played on the football team. But he started to become comfortable and he finished out his freshman year. Malcolm was a leader because he was positive about a lot of things that he wanted to do in life. When he became captain of the football team, he was excited about that. His leadership was welcomed by all the kids who admired him. The coaches admired him, and he wanted to be a go-getter. You know, he wanted to do everything that was necessary to fulfill his goals. Malcolm pretty much was a mentor to his peers. They acknowledged everything that he did. And it was just so amazing that I've had kids come to me even after he passed, like, oh my God, I want to be just like Malcolm. You know, I want to go to school. Malcolm always told me to do what I'm supposed to do in school. He even had a girlfriend of his and her friends who pretty much said that Malcolm told them always to continue doing what you doing, go ahead and go for your goals. You're on uh, May 27th, Memorial Day weekend, 2012. It was pretty much a regular day. I had uh, gone to church in the morning. I was off of work. Just stayed in the house all day watching TV. As night fell, I went to bed and went to sleep and a phone call woke me up. 
Uh, the phone call came from a good friend. He pretty much said, Ms. Bagley, Malcolm was shot. You need to come around the corner. My reaction was like, you know, oh my God, what is going on now? You know, because of the violence that has plagued our city for so long. And um, I got up, I was looking for something to put on and something told me, let me just call this guy back again. I said, what do you mean Malcolm was shot? What's going on? Ms. Bagley, Malcolm was shot. You need to come around the corner right now. He's not moving. So I proceeded to, I think I just put a jacket on and I ran out the house. I got in my car and went around the corner, which was two blocks over Taylor Street. I parked on Hickory Street, which is a street that runs alongside where he was killed. As I approached the scene, I walked up the street and I could see kids on the left side, kids on the right side. Oh my God, there goes his Bagley. And I'm walking up the street and as I get closer, the area is taped off. There's a cop that's standing there and all I can see is this man's feet underneath a pink blanket. I got closer and closer and the cop grabbed me and I pretty much knew that that was my son Malcolm because he had borrowed his brother's black Pradas and he had it on and you can see the feet sticking from underneath the sheet. And I just screamed, I said, Malcolm, Malcolm, get up. And the cop, he just grabbed me. Sorry, ma'am, I can't let you go over there. I pulled my phone off out my pocket and I proceeded to call my dad. And I told him that Malcolm was shot. Somebody killed Malcolm, daddy. And um, pretty much they pushed me back. And then I tried to call my older son. Someone had already called him because he come down the street with his girlfriend and his younger son. I was totally in shock. I watched the ambulance while they worked on him. I just thought to myself, well, why is the sheet covering his head? But then I saw one of the EMTs get out with one of the machines that they checked for life with. And there was no success with it. I sat on the ground and I just continued to call my son's name. And, you know, family and friends started to gather and a best friend of mine came out. And um, I was just standing there. I was in shock. I didn't really know what to do. And I just kept calling my son's name. And my son, my other son came over to me and he grabbed me and he's like, Mommy, just come over here and sit down and wait to see what happens. It was a horrible night. It was just so unbelievable to me. And to have experienced something like that, like I said, like I was in shock because I can remember and I'm looking at all the kids and they're just looking at me. And then all of a sudden, like I've seen when someone dies, how the AMLAMs come up and the coroner's car come up and they proceeded to pick my son off the ground and put him in the car. And I'm looking in the car like, what are y'all doing with my son? was no control after that. 
I went down to uh, a university hospital and they pretty much pronounced him dead. My son took a bullet to his chest. It pierced his left lung. It traumatized his heart. Then it tried to exit his back. That street, um, you know, across town, these guys, it was a back and forth feud. This particular night that these two guys picked, they decided to come and do a drive-by shooting. The gun violence wasn't meant for my son. It was just meant for the gunfire to hit whoever they were looking for, but it wasn't him. Even that same night, another kid was shot, but it wasn't a fatality, but it had been an ongoing feud from cross town to this side of the town. Malcolm was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but this is a street that he grew up on. This is a street where he always hung out with his friends. And that house I was telling you about, that's where all the kids gathered. Malcolm had uh, just got his license the month before. He came home from college, he had a birthday, and then he was killed on the 27th, all in the same month. I think maybe about three months later, the shooter turned himself in. A week later, the driver turned himself in. I know that they found word that they were pointed out as the individuals that were in the car when the drive-by took place. Well, I don't feel like justice was served. And I say that because even the driver volunteering to take his friend, which he knew had a high-powered rifle, and he was going out to shoot someone. He took part, he drove the fella there, he stopped, the shooter pulled the gun out, the guy continued to manage the car. So I feel as though the driver should have received the same sentence as the shooter did, and he did not. Two years later, the court proceedings started. There were friends that were out there that night that pretty much pointed these two guys out. During that same time, and because of the type of people they were, these kids were incarcerated behind criminal activity that they played parts in, but the friends of the shooter and the driver had individuals who were in jail also that would have these kids actually beat up. So when they pointed those kids out, pretty much they wanted to renege in their story because they were really being hurt in jail behind, you know, what they had done. But the shooter received 31 years and the driver only received eight years. And I feel as though he took part in it. He should have received the 31 years. Even with that time, it doesn't do me any justice because these are young fellas. They still have the opportunity to come out here. My son doesn't, you know, he's buried, he's gone. This Mother's Day, I received a call 8.30 in the morning that the driver had been released because his time expired.
I honor Malcolm's memory and a whole lot of other people. Malcolm had a very awesome girlfriend who still stays in touch with me today. This incident took place seven years ago. Malcolm was her first love. She's a big reminder. His birthdays, Christmas, whatever holidays, she's always in contact. All of Malcolm's friends, they still call me to this day. And, you know, hey, Ma, they, all of them call me Mom Dukes. How you doing? Pretty much it's just all in keeping Malcolm's memory alive. Eight days after I buried him, I had a gentleman come to me and he asked me, Ms. Bagley, can we do something in memory of your son? And I was like, sure. And so we pretty much met up that Friday at Ebenezer Baptist Church. And I mean, it was practically oranges, 2.2 square miles, police officers, attorneys, the pastor of the churches, past and present residents. And we just, we talked and we talked about the gun violence that had been plaguing our city. And we did a march, which took place from Oakwood Avenue or Orange Park up Central Avenue. We cut down Hickory Street. We came down Center Street. We walked up Central Avenue. We went through Central Playground and met at the Orange Preparatory Academy steps where we rallied. Then we had a community cookout. Pretty much there was a lot of speakers who came out and spoke, a couple of my family members. But thereafter, we set another meeting. We met again at Ebenezer Baptist Church we started the organization called Not Orange, Inc. in memory of him, which is an anti-gun violence group. We just celebrated seven years. Pretty much this group, we focus on our youth, young adults. The things that we've done are throughout the summer, we'll do community cookouts, three community cookouts, school supply, backpack giveaway. We'll do a dance. We do parties for kids and everything that we do is free. We provide them a place to go. It's almost like a sanctuary, you know, a safe house when they come out. Free food, fun, and fellowship. And um, that's one of the things that, you know, I do today to keep his memory alive. You know, it amazed me how many people Malcolm knew. Like even traveling to Oakland, California, to play ball. When he passed, I had people call me on the phone and they was like, I watched your son while he played football. I was in Oakland, California when he played flag football. I came to all the games that he played in. He was an awesome wide receiver. I want people to remember him as just this positive kid coming out of high school, wanting to go pro. His attitude was like very enlightening because he wanted to pursue everything on a positive note. I had a professor from the college, Malcolm wrote a letter. I guess the professor gave them assignment on why are they here and what do they want to see happen. And pretty much Malcolm just talked about the reason why he's there to improve his education. He wanted to go pro and he wanted to make his mother proud.
on social media when different holidays come up, um, anniversaries of the organization, I post stuff about my son, remembering, you know, who he was as a great person and the things that he's done. Every anniversary, every birthday, anniversary of the organization. Malcolm was just an amazing kid, you know, that people looked up to. He was a mentor, like I said, a great boyfriend, grandson, brother, cousin, uncle. He was amazing. And so, like, those are how I keep his memory alive. And still to this day, you know, I have people call me and they support me still. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I've come past a lot since he passed on, but um, it's just like yesterday. For some people, these responses can be overpowering. If you feel the need to talk to someone, support is available. You can call the National Distress Helpline at 1-800-985-5990, which is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year.